Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Brown Sugar and Spice Show. I'm your Dr. Faye. Thank you all for joining us this evening. Of course, you already know I like to launch. Do- Sorry, I like to launch dope shows. So tonight we'll be talking to Anthony Kim, building our communities. He's a very talented um, young African American male with a great education who aspires. Mogul. He's doing a lot in the community, especially in the New Orleans um, metropolitan area and also in the Louisiana Baton Rouge area. The community, especially after the devastating floods of Katrina and also the uh, most current floods that occurred recently in the past year or two in Louisiana. So without further ado, let me get my uh, line tonight and let's have a dope conversation. AK, are you there? I'm here. Can you hey, hear what's up? How's it going? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Great, great. Life is busy as usual, busy as usual. So, of course, you know, I like to uh, start my shows off with a brief introduction for all my listeners out there or the people who go on a podcast and listen to this later. Uh, give a, a introduction about yourself, where you're from, your background, and how you really got involved in real estate. Well, my name is Anthony Kimball. Um, I'm originally from uh, Baton Rouge. So how'd you get involved? I graduated from there. I worked in the consulting world in corporate America. For, hey, for hey, some can I you cut out for a little bit? The first part. Can you hear me? Yeah, now we can. can. I couldn't hear the, the beginning of your introduction. Oh, I was saying, yeah, I'm originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, um, went to college at Stanford University um, after graduating there. Worked in corporate America for for a couple years um, doing some consulting. And then um, decided corporate America wasn't for me and decided that I uh, wanted to move back home to Louisiana and get involved. Wanted to get in, figure out ways I could make an impact. And one of the ways I did figure out, you know, that I can impact people, I can act, impact community was through real estate. Um, and so... These days, um, currently working in real estate development in both Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Um, like working, uh, like saying, I, my company, uh, we revitalize urban communities. Uh, we don't do a lot of work in the suburbs. Um, a lot of our work is in the urban core, um, helping rebuild some inner city communities. So uh, we do everything from, you know, buy and hold projects to flip projects. Um, so, like I said, um, 
real estate, you know, is just one of the ways that, you know, I've figured out over the last couple of years that, you know, I can make an impact on community and people. I mean, that's a very, very interesting career path that you've chosen. Um, it can be very lucrative, of course, a lot of risk involved with real estate. So, like, did you have a mentor that through that, or you kind of have stumbled along the way? Like, how have you managed uh, to pull up success? My parents, um, my parents were always um, growing up, you know, or in real estate. Um, my, both my parents at one time or another were real estate agents. Um, and also my parents did some uh, real estate investing, and they did a lot of, you know, similar, you know, projects, you know, single-family projects that I've did in the past, you know, in the inner-city community. So, and, you know, I guess they might, you know, my parents definitely piqued my interest in real estate. And over the years, I have had mentors, um, you know, in both Baton Rouge, you know, San Francisco and other places where, you know, um, you know, it's kind of helped me along the ropes in the real estate world. Cool. So I know I stalk your Facebook page occasionally. You're always traveling, and I see that, you know, you'll have a hard hat on here and there in your projects. Like, are you like, are you in these cities, or are you gaining, you know, gathering ideas and connections in these cities? Like, as far as, you know, from a real estate standpoint, because you're primarily based in Louisiana, correct? Yes, I'm primarily, I live in New Orleans. Um, primarily, I work mostly in Bad Ridge, even though I'm just finishing up a, a project in New Orleans, uh, a duplex project. Um, I'm also finishing up my Master's of Sustainable Real Estate Development at Tulane University, so um, with, that's a niche program in both design and finance um, that, you know, really focuses on real estate. So through, you know, both my work and um, with my school over the last year and a half, I've had a, you know, a chance to travel, you know, projects that I'm working on in Louisiana, some projects that I'm looking at throughout the southeast. But with my school work, I've had the chance to travel to D.C., um, Philadelphia, uh, amongst other places. Working, um, looking at looking at real estate projects as part of my coursework. So it's been a really interesting a year and a half. Um, you know, going to school and being able to apply a lot of those things I learned in school in, with my school work to you know actual projects that I'm doing. Okay. Let me ask you this: You're a young black male. I'm not sure. You know, maybe you're a trust fund baby, and I didn't know about it. Congratulations if you are. But like when you're trying not, to apply- not at all, no chance. <laughs> Uh, cool, not a problem. So when you're trying to for these projects, do you run into roadblocks because you are and you're young and because of your age and experience? Have you have you experienced that in any shape or fashion? Yeah, I mean, I think I have. I think it sometimes surprise you know people when I tell them my age and some of the things projects I've been involved in or some of the properties I may have owned or owned in the past. Um, but you know, my thing is that it's really been about my network and um, just, you know, using that, utilizing that network, whether it's been at Stanford or Tulane or, you know, just moving back home in the Baton Rouge and New Orleans community. Um, my thing is, you know, that I always like to say I'm good with connecting people. And, um, you know, one thing I always tell people, you know, I've also just um, good at over the years is just be honest, is just finding money and just, you know, figuring out ways to get projects done. And I think, you know, just, you know, while going to places like Stanford and Tulane were great, you know, as far as what you learned in the classroom, I think the biggest asset to me was that network bars, you know, to access the capital. And, you know, I mean, in the real estate world, you need capital to be able to do these projects. Absolutely, absolutely. 
degree, uh, my dad was into real estate and actually still is currently on a much smaller scale, of course, and back in my hometown, that's Mississippi. So I definitely understand the importance of acquiring capital for your projects. So let me ask you a quick question. So what are, what is the most, um, I guess, prolific that, or profitable project, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to, that you've been involved with? Say that I, I missed the last part. You cut out. I'm sorry about that. So, what is the like the the biggest project with as far as like profit? You don't have to give me numbers for that, or just something you're truly of. I mean, and and profit and value and um, can be measured in multiple different ways in you know the real estate world. You know, you can be a a, a more buy and hold. Um, developer where you're looking to, you know, buy a project, you developer and hold them for the long term and collect rent, you know, collect like I, like I would like to call and, you know, other mailbox money. Or, you know, you can be a, you know, a developer that's, you know, going into projects, looking to develop them and sell, you know, whether that's be rehab, flip, quick flips or, you know, condo type projects. So um, I've been involved in both types of projects. Um, what I prefer is those long-term buy and hold projects. Um, you know, I, I'm like, real estate is my retirement plan. Um, you know, I always tell people I understand the market. I understand stocks, bonds. I have money in the market. But as far as what I get and as far as what makes sense to me, um, as far as, you know, long-term growth for myself and uh, building wealth, um, that's real estate. And so, you know, as far as a lot of, a lot of even when I do flip, do flip properties, I like to take that money and invest in more of your buy and hold projects. Um, that's going to, you know, show some long-term growth and, um, you know, some you know, uh, allow me to build wealth. So uh, financially naive people who don't really have a business, what do you mean by buy and hold? Um, buy and hold is uh, just really rental property. That's a project you're going to buy. You're going to, you know, not look to flip it in, you know, the immediate flip, you know, for profit. You're going to look to buy it and develop it or, you know, buy it and just, you know, collect those mellow rent checks. Um, and that's the project that, you know, I, I look to really get involved in, um, you know, really what, you know, my company is doing now is moving from some of those smaller flip projects or, you know, single family or duplex buy and hold projects to um, going into the more of the 10 unit plus multifamily type projects. So, yeah, but when I talk about buy and hold, I'm really just talking about rental property and, you know, a uh, project okay. that you're going to, like rental and come off every month. Sounds good. So, do you do you primarily um, in like low income areas? You are mainly want to seek opportunities to expand your business. My my ideal um, project is you know in the urban core, either you know uh, a low income or transitioning neighborhood. Um, I like to get involved in projects that are going to add value to neighborhoods. Um, like I said at the beginning of the conversation, suburbia doesn't really interest me. Um, I, you know, I, I, I like focusing in, you know, around the downtown. Um, you know, so my projects have been, you know, in low-income low neighborhoods, and they've been in, you know, more middle-income to, um, you know, upper neighborhoods. Um, you know, but usually they, my projects are, you know, uh, either historic rehabs or urban infill projects um, in the urban core. Sounds good. So I know involved in real estate for an extended period of time, but you have been involved in tech. So uh, for, a, say, a young who's interested in getting involved in real estate, 
and they say they're interested in flipping houses. And I know there's out there that promote, you know, maybe I call them get rich quick schemes because they make it sound very lucrative. But I guess it could be possible, you know, with the right ingredients and a stroke of serendipity. But like, what are some mistakes that you've made that you would like to share for a budding entrepreneur to be able to avoid re- basically reinventing the wheel? Um, find people in the business that are doing it. I know sometimes in real estate, um, people can see you as competitors, but, you know, finding mentors and, you know, I always tell I have an assistant working with me now and, you know, he came to me interested, young guy, wanted to get involved in real estate, you know, had 10, 15 grand saved up and he was going to take, you know, all his money and, you know, put in this real estate project. And like I told him, um, even though he could have did one project with his money, you know, we, we got some bank financing. Like I told him, you know, come work with me, learn under, you know, learn under me, you know, make the mis- see the mistakes made with my money. And I always tell people, if you do have that opportunity early on in your real estate career, go make mistakes with someone else's money. Um, you know, or, or see mistakes being made when it's not you. Um, you know, or it's your whole nest egg. Uh, I say that's that's one you know big thing, and I think it's you know really important for you know young real estate investors just to understand banking relationships understanding um, credit and, you know, building your credit, uh, understanding lines of credit and starting small and building those lines of credit up, you know, you know, so just different things like that. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, that's, that's very, for our listeners out there, you know, definitely if you have the opportunity to make mistakes with someone else's money, then by all means do so because of course you minimize your risk um, and almost absolutely remove it. Another quick question. Blackmail. Blacks, whether they're in the business or out in the community, respond to you when they see a young black male who's out there developing. I've I've never really run across any. Not that I'm really around. I don't have that kind of time. But I would think like some of them would be awestruck to see a young black guy, you know, in this business. Yeah, I get. I've had interesting interactions with neighbors of properties I bought asking me, you know, if um, you know, if I was working, if you know, I could help with different things on their house. Um, I've had all kind of interesting things happening. People are usually surprised, um, but I, you know, because I'm also, I mean, I, I work in the development world, so I'm, you know, I'm not a person that dresses up or you know anything. You know, mostly I'm in casual or sweats or you know something or something similar on a construction site. Um, so, you know, I, I'm real, you know, laid back, um, how, you know, but, um, like I said, a lot of people are surprised, but I think it just comes to how you carry yourself and, you know, definitely with, uh, tenants and things like that, you know, just, you know, carrying yourself a certain way, demanding respect, um, you know, under, making them understand you are the owner and, you know, there are going to be expectations, you know what I mean? And my thing is also, you know, with, me being a developer and a property manager, a property owner is just, you know, always, you know, improving my craft where, you know, I'm giving tenants quality places to live. And, you know, I'm also knowing that, you know, I'm maximizing my business. Okay. Company again. Um, my company is Kimball Properties. We have a um, website right now that's com, but uh, we're getting ready to relaunched the, the company on the Kimball properties. Um, I'm not super huge and, you know, just marketing. Cause I mean, I, like I said, I'm a development company. I, it's not like I really offer a service to people. Um, most of the things I do in the construction, the construction and property management the development world, um, is, you know, my own properties. Um, so, but 
um, we're you know small residential mixed-use developing company in you know Baton Rouge and New Orleans, Louisiana. Excellent. Uh, to stay on topic, but not really stay on topic. So, what are your thoughts on gentrification and in the in the re I guess of urban are essentially predominantly black, and then of course they transition to be something else, whatever the nationality or ethnicity may be. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean. The, the G word gentrification is one of the reasons when I came back home, I got involved in some of the neighborhoods I got involved in in Baton Rouge. And my thing with gentrification, especially when it comes to my people, African-American people, um, is that for us to have an impact and us to see some of these neighbors transition, but still include and accommodate our people, you know, we have to get involved and we, you know, have to figure out how to become landowners. And that's one of the reasons, um, you know, it was important for me owning land and becoming a developer. Like, um, you know, just in the summer, you know, I came back home in 2012 to get involved and, you know, want to invest in real estate. And, you know, just like many other cities around the country, Baton Rouge being a small to mid-sized city, had a lot of emphasis on developing a thriving downtown and, you know, improving its downtown. So me not having the coins at that time to invest in downtown, you know, I looked at those neighborhoods around downtown, which were your low income, you know, predominantly African-American neighborhoods. So, um, you know, and I decided, you know, that's where I was going to put my money. But when I started going to a lot of these public meetings and things in Baton Rouge for, you know, what will happen to these areas after, you know, because downtown had been bought up, you know, land had been, projects had been developed. Um, it was what's next. And, you know, a lot of, you know, development eyes were set on these neighborhoods, these um, predominantly bike neighborhoods around downtown Baton Rouge. And, you know, me going to these planning meetings and hearing, you know, these neighborhoods that I knew about certain names growing up that, you know, the names were being changed to downtown east. And, you know, now we were going to develop a neighborhood that was going to that was going to exclude affordable housing um, was one of the reasons I decided to get involved in real estate development, because it's, these were the neighborhoods I cared about. I knew these people in these neighborhoods. So my thing is, if I cared about these people and these neighborhoods were important to me, I needed to impact the change that was going to happen in these neighborhoods. And, you know, that was one of the things that reasons that, you know, real estate really became a passion with me because I saw it as a way that Mm -hmm. I could impact the communities that I grew up in. I have a question. So you mentioned neighborhoods, especially like downtown, are predominantly black and, you know, to acquire land, but Say, for instance, you already have the land, and it's, you know, passed down from generations to generations, but we are practically giving it away. And the reason I brought this in Charleston, South Carolina, for five years, beautiful, beautiful area, and what I would like to call state waterfront property, deep. And a lot of these places were inhabited by black people. And this passed to, I guess, our generation as, the landowners, you know, passed away. And I see we are basically giving this resource away for pennies on the dollar. Like, educate and benefit from having prime real estate that was one highly valued to something that's highly sought after. And how can we a, keep it with among ourselves and also benefit from it as well? 
I mean, you know, since very similar happened in New Orleans over the, you know, the last 10, 11 years after Katrina, um, where a lot of, you know, I mean, before New Orleans, the East New Orleans, um, a lot of the suburbs were highly affluent areas. Um, after, you know, over the last 10 years, New Orleans has had put a major focus on moving people back into the urban core. Um, so what happened with a lot of these predominantly black neighborhoods, um, our people basically at times sold these properties, you know, for pennies on a dollar. And I think it just sometimes comes to you, you just can't have short sightedness. Um, and, you know, but, you know, there's there's also also on the flip side of that multiple other different variables that goes and, you know, goes into this equation, too, because you're also talking about a lot of times your low socioeconomic neighborhoods. And with that, um, you know, you're dealing with, you know, our people that most of the time don't have a ton of money. So when an opportunity does come and some value does come to something you own, um, you know, in your head, hey, I need some money. I, I need mm-hmm. to sell it. Um, so. I, I don't think there's an easy answer to this question. I just think it, it comes to some way figuring out amongst ourselves whether that's coming together four or five people um, and, you know, starting small investment groups or, you know, just figuring out other creative ways where, you know, we can keep our, you know, property and, you know, also have hands in the Absolutely. Call it on. Call it. Last four digits are Six seven. I'm about to bring you on. Hey, caller, you're calling from. Hi, I'm calling from uh, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, I also grew up in Baton Rouge too, though. Um, I, I noticed a lot of the guys in Baton Rouge, the um, guys who went on to college, became premier athletes. Uh, they're all getting into real estate. Um, but you know, being in an area like Detroit and riding around the city and seeing all the buildings are empty and all they need is somebody to come in to, and develop them. How do people go about um, taking their own capital or someone else's capital to start that kind of thing off, but also finding, you know, assistance from the government, getting grants and stuff to get things off the ground so that they're not just a, a pretty spot in a blighted area to where the whole community gets involved. How do people go about finding access to those kind of things? And I mean, the, the whole grant, you know, thinking something that, you know, I'm trying to figure out now um, with, you know, the recent floods and last August in Baton Rouge and the amount of federal funding that's coming down, you know, something I've been trying to educate myself on is home funds. And, you know, um, you know, really it comes to, you know, finding, you know, going research housing departments, going to those planning meetings, you know, figure out a, you know, you know, really going up to these different housing um, corporations say, how do I do this? You know, really sending emails, asking questions. And I mean, I, you know, the honest thing I always tell people, real estate is plan and, you know, um, acting on that plan. Um, you know what I mean? And I started off, you know, um, with some of my first properties, some inner city properties. I actually was, I, I, I acquired my, some of my first properties by reaching out to um, a state lawyer. Um, who was working uh, a succession for uh, a property owner. The wife was inheriting 80 properties, um, and she wanted to liquidate them. She had never been involved in her husband's real estate business, and she wanted to liquidate them. Um, so I, and it just came, you know, really just from relationships, you know, estate lawyers, divorce lawyers, real estate agents, um, mortgage banks, just reaching out to these people, you know, telling them what you want to do. And then coming up, you know, as far as attracting investors, they're coming up with a plan. I have these three properties. You know, it's going to take 
you know, this amount of money as far as to invest in them, and we can sell them for this. Um, you know, and it's not, you know, that simple, but also it kind of is at times that simple as far as just coming up with, you know, a plan and, you know, then finding those people, you know, that's interested in those plans. Just like, if, hey, say I wanted to start a restaurant, you know, I find a building, I figure out, you know, what I want to serve, you know, put a budget together out there and then go, you know, find an investor to invest in that and then, you know, figure out the return to give that investor. So it seems like it, it requires a lot of A, ambition, research to handle the word no. Essentially what you are what you're saying. Um, and I'm about to get ready to wrap this conversation up. So again, thank you so much for coming on tonight. My last my last question for you before we wrap up. Experience where you went to purchase a property, black owned, and they didn't want to sell it to you because you were black, and they thought they could get a better deal from someone else. Um, uh, I feel like I've had more of my. I'm not gonna lie, but I've had some interesting experience more with people who didn't really believe I could get the deal done. And the honest part of it, I feel like some of the biggest critics I've had as far as sellers were was my own people. You know, to just be totally honest with you, like you're you're this old and you're you want to buy this and you're gonna bring this much capital to the table. Um, you know what I mean? So I have had you know critics, um, you know, with situations like that, or you know, people that I felt didn't want to give me extensions because they didn't really feel that, you know, I could get the deal done or, you know, I was too young to do the deal, things like that. So I feel not that, you know, no one's wanted to sell it to me. It's just, you know, I think sometimes being young and black that people don't really believe you're capable of what you're saying or you've been involved in what you say you've been involved in, you know. So I've had people bring back to me to, you know, oh, I Googled you and I saw this, now I'm comfortable. Um, So I've had interesting things like that happen. Interesting. Well, AK, thank you so much for coming on to the If you could mention again your website or Twitter handle or where people can follow you, say on social media, that'll they want to reach out to you. Yeah, the, um, the, the, what I would say I keep most current and I would um, tell people to follow me on is my Instagram. It's B underscore Anthony Kimball. Um, on Instagram, K-I-M-B-L-E is my last name. Um, that's probably my most current as far as posting projects and things like that. Like I said, we're going to relaunch. We, our website right now is KimballHoldings.com, but we're getting ready to relaunch on the Kimball Properties. A, a very nice, you know, more uh, in-depth website. Um, and, you know, definitely thanks for your time tonight. Thanks for inviting me on, and I uh, really enjoyed it. Yeah, great. Thank No problem, no so that was a great show. Thank you all out there. This is another segment of the Spice Show on YouTube at Brown Sugar and Spice Blog Radio. If you have a Brown Sugar and Spice Blog Radio, you can follow follow us at Twitter and that's BSS Blog Radio, or you can follow me personally on Instagram ILDY Superfly with an E, not an A. Or follow us on Instagram, my blog page at BSS Blog Radio. Thank you all for listening out there. Have a good night. Peace.
Life is like a bed. 